Well, good weekday evening. Today is Thursday, February 16th, and the time is 7 p.m. And you're tuned into the weekly edition of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir, for this one hour plus block of time, should the Lord lead. And the Parents of Prodigals podcast is a live weekly call-in program that is dedicated, committed, and yes, I've said it before and I'll say it again, consecrated to the ministry of prayer, supplication, petition, and spiritual prayer warfare on behalf of the salvation of those of us who have sons and daughters who have never come to the faith or who have wandered from the faith. Some of us have teenage sons and daughters who may have been involved in the church and have wandered away or have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Others of us have adult children. Maybe these adult children are caught up with careers or the responsibilities of life. And we want them to fulfill their responsibilities and their obligations to their families or whatever it is they're doing. However, the Word of God says that sometimes the cares of this life can drown out the Spirit's calling and the effectiveness of the Word. And many times our adult prodigal sons and daughters can get sidetracked, preoccupied with this life, and not give any thought to the afterlife, to eternity, and their souls. And so every week we take this time to pray for our unsaved sons and daughters, whether they're teenagers or whether they're adults, whether they're living at home or elsewhere. Some of us have prodigal sons and daughters, and we don't know where they are or what they're doing, like the father in the story of the prodigal son. No cell phones, no instant message. This young man left home, and the father had no idea where his son was, whether he was sick or whether he was even alive. And so I'm sure the father was praying for him daily that his son would return. And ultimately, his son did return home. And he was restored to fellowship with his father. And that's our prayer, all of our prayers for our prodigal sons and daughters, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins, admitting their need for a savior, and surrendering their life to Christ. I make it a practice of saying at every podcast that the next event on the prophetic biblical calendar is the rapture, the snatching up of born-again believers into the clouds of glory. The Word of God says in the book of Thessalonians that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds with the Lord. And following this time when the Lord removes believers from this rebellious and evil world, There will be a period of time known as the Great Tribulation when God's judgments will be poured out on a rebellious and unrepentant world. 
These are not fairy tales. These things will actually take place. And as we watch the news and see the events occurring in the world, tensions are building, things are moving quickly. The Lord's return is imminent. The rapture could take place tonight. It could take place before this podcast is over. And while we want the Lord to return, and we long for this blessed hope, we also have a blessed hope that we want to see our prodigal sons and daughters not miss the rapture. We don't want our sons and daughters here for the great tribulation. We don't want to see our prodigal sons and daughters. We don't want to know that they're entering a Christless eternity. We want them to be saved. And that's what this program is about. Prayer, supplication, and intercession for prodigal sons and daughters. We welcome your participation in this live podcast. If you have an insight that you'd like to share, please follow the prompts, chime in, and we will put you live on the air to hear your insights. If you want to share a scripture, a Bible verse, Maybe you want to share a testimony, what the Lord is doing in your life on behalf of your prodigal son and daughter. Maybe you have a prayer request. If you want to text chat your prayer request in and you want it to be anonymous, we will respect your confidentiality and privacy. It can be an unspoken request. But we will bring it before the throne of grace when the time of prayer comes in our podcast. So we welcome your input and your participation. We also will be incorporating a new segment on the Parents of Prodigals podcast a little later on. And the segment is called Questions for Commentary. Questions for Commentary. I'll be posing a question having to do with prodigalism. And I would love to hear your insights. This is an ironing, sharpening iron time. Praying for each other and sharing each other's insights for mutual edification. I'll just put the question that we'll be asking out now. And on the second half of our podcast, we welcome you to call in. And the question for commentary for this first time using this segment will be, what do you believe are the biggest obstacles to the salvation of prodigals. What do you believe are the biggest obstacles to the salvation of prodigals? We all know that these are the end times and the enemy does not want your prodigal and my prodigals to get saved. And so he will throw roadblocks up, excuse me, in the way to hinder from them coming to Christ. And so we'd love to hear your input. What do you believe are the biggest obstacles to the salvation of our prodigals? At this time, we want to welcome, we have listeners in various states, New York, California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Idaho, Georgia, Alabama, Maryland, Tennessee, Texas, Ohio, Utah, Wisconsin, West Virginia, New Jersey, Montana, and most recently, the state of Minnesota. We have seen that there are listeners in Minnesota. We also welcome our international listenership 
we discovered that we have listeners in the great nation of Mexico. And so we welcome all listeners from all these locations. God bless you. We are glad that you are tuning in. Because of time differences in many of these areas, some people, perhaps they are listening live and there is a time difference. Or perhaps they will be listening when they download the program at a later time. And that's okay too. The Spirit of God knows no constraints. The Holy Spirit can move in a live program or in a repeated podcast. It makes no difference. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful, and time is not a factor for him. When we enter the time of prayer, we'll be bringing before the throne of grace a variety of intercessions and prayers. We also have a praise report. There is a young lady by the name of Valentina. Valentina, she is the lovely daughter of a brother and sister in Christ, Cecilia and Brian, who attend Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. We received word today that Valentina, the Lord is moving in her heart and mind. There were some issues regarding substance abuse, and the Spirit of God has been touching her. Her attitude is better. She is making progress in terms of the goals that she is trying to reach, academic goals, personal goals. Her attitude has changed dramatically according to what we have heard. So the Spirit of God is moving. Praise God. The Lord is moving in Valentina's life. And when the time comes to approach the throne of grace, we will be praising God and lifting Valentina up in prayer for continued moving of the Holy Spirit in her life, as well as all the other prayer requests that we will be bringing before the throne of grace. And so before we head into our devotional this evening, I would like to lead in a word of prayer. Please join me in an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, Lord God, a brief time in comparison to eternity. And I thank you for everyone who's tuning into this podcast, Lord. It could be few, there could be many. It makes no difference. Lord, we pray that this be a time of ironing, sharpening iron, mutual edification and encouragement. And that the listeners to this podcast will be blessed, strengthened, comforted, and edified by what they'll be hearing from me and from other listeners should they call in with insights. We pray for the parents of prodigals who are tuning in. Let this be a time of strengthening for them as well. Let the seed fall on good ground and bear fruit in the lives of every listener tonight. Let your hand be upon every listener. Give everyone a strong sense of your presence. Move this evening, Lord God. We praise you and we thank you. And we give you all the honor and the glory. Amen. The title of tonight's devotional is... Paul's three-step remedy against despair. Paul's three-step remedy against despair. 
or actually we could call it the Lord's three-step remedy. Paul spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he gave these three steps, a three-step remedy against despair. Our text tonight is found in Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and I'll give you a moment to find this scripture text in your Bibles. You know, the letter of Paul to the Philippians was written between 60 and 64 AD, while he was in Roman custody awaiting trial. Now, Paul was not in a regular Roman prison in Rome, which would have been primarily Mamertine prison, which was the Rikers Island or the Alcatraz of the Roman Empire. The fact that he was not in a regular Roman prison was a great relief to Paul because Roman prisons had a terrible reputation for hunger, overcrowding, darkness, disease, unsanitary conditions, and others. Paul was under house arrest, but this was still a very unpleasant experience as his movements were very, very restricted. Paul would have resided in a very small room, not a house, called an insula. A guard would have been chained to him around the clock. The chain would have been around the guard's left wrist, freeing his right hand should he need to utilize his weapon. While the guard's needs were met for clothing against the cold, food, blankets, or any other necessities, none of this was provided to the prisoner. Paul would have been dependent on fellow believers for these necessities who came to visit him, which several did. And since believers were being persecuted, visits were risky and most likely few and far between. At that time, to be a Christian could get you arrested or even imprisoned and held in custody like Paul. It was under these conditions that Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, but not for the purpose of combating heresy or false teaching, but to use his situation as subject matter to encourage his brethren who were going through trials and difficulty. In fact, the theme of imprisonment figures greatly in this letter. I think we can all identify that the darkest prison cells are the ones that the soul can be in when we are in despair during trials of the faith. Let's read our scripture text together. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. We'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Holy Scriptures. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, I'd like to share something of a personal nature as an introduction to this devotional. Several nights ago, I experienced a break-in. That's right, a break-in. 
Now, this wasn't the first time this had occurred. It has happened many times before. However, this wasn't the kind of break-in that you may think it was, a physical person coming into my home. However, it was indeed a home intrusion. No, this was a spiritual break-in, a case of breaking and entering of the heart, mind, and soul, which I'm sure many of us have experienced. Our adversary, Satan, trying to conduct a spiritual break-in into my heart and mind during the night watches, and unlike a physical break-in where material possessions would be taken, Satan tried to break in and steal the one valuable thing, which in God's word, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, says, is our source of ultimate spiritual strength. And that is our joy. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, you know, it was at that time that I left my bed and went into my study and spent some time in God's presence. And like David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, even though I was greatly distressed, I strengthened myself in the Lord. And following that devotional time and prayer time, I referred to several past devotions that I had regarding the joy of the Lord, what it is, how to obtain it, and most of all, how to hold on to it. And that's what I'd like to share this evening with you during this devotion. What I discovered are God's three-step remedies against despair that the enemy will use to steal our joy as believers. Now, because of the amount of spiritual meat, for lack of a better term, that I'd like to share with you this evening, this is going to be a multi-part devotional with it continuing next week. So this will be part one. Paul, as I mentioned earlier, didn't write his letter to the Philippian believers to counter any false teaching or doctrinal heresy. The Philippian believers were going through some intense persecution. And there was some friction between some of the believers. Perhaps maybe that was made worse by the stress of what they were going through. Whatever the case may be, Paul's primary message to them was that regardless of what they were going through, to maintain an attitude of joy and complete trust and confidence in Christ, committing everything to him in total surrender to the Holy Spirit, all of which would strengthen their unity break down walls of division. In fact, Philippians is only four chapters long, but the concept of rejoicing and joy appears 16 times in these four short chapters. And in our scripture text in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul, under the direct inspiration of the Spirit of God, gives three steps to counter despair and distress of the soul, with one amazing result found in verse 7. And I firmly believe that following these three steps, you and I will be, like Paul states in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. And I want to say and share with you that these insights I share with you humbly as one who was struggling with despair and doubt. But the Lord blessed me with these insights, which I want to pay forward 
and share with you this evening. So here we go. Step number one. We read in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But what exactly is the act of rejoicing or being joyful? Well, you know, the best definition of joy is one which is a combination of insights that I read from Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Billy Graham, and Pastor Tony Evans. This is the definition that came up. Joy is the settled, quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives. It is the complete trust and state of mind that God is in complete control of all the details of our lives, no matter what is happening, no matter what we are feeling, and that he is with us in every and all situations, and that everything is going to be all right, and that he will work everything for good. We need to trust in his love, care, and faithfulness, and we make a determined choice, not feeling, a choice to praise him, in every situation, no matter what. Now you'll notice in this definition that there's nothing about happy feelings or emotion. Because as opposed to happiness, which is dependent on events and circumstances being in our favor, joy runs deeper. Joy consists of a sense of internal stability in spite of external circumstances. Now, Paul was particularly qualified to expound on this. Paul didn't write this in comfort and in affluency with a full belly of food and in warmth. He wrote this admonition from being imprisoned. Who better qualified to write this except Paul? Paul tells us that we're to base our stability in peace not on the things that are going on around us, but on our relationship with Christ. And like Peter in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 32, when he was in the boat with the other disciples and Christ was walking on the water towards them, don't look around at the turbulence of the waves and the wind of difficulty we're going through, but keep our eyes on Christ. In fact, it's no coincidence that Paul says to rejoice two times in the same verse. In Scripture, to say something one time was just an admonition, but to reiterate it again two times was considered verification and fact of what we're saying as a command. Many times when we're disciplining our children, we often say, now I'm not going to tell you again. Well, in Paul's case, in verse for Paul tells us again, rejoice, and he is stressing his admonition when he repeats it. In Greek, the word rejoice is the word chairo, chairo, and it means to be in a continued state of well-being. Notice again, there is no mention of emotion or feeling. In fact, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, in Greek, has some interesting grammatical elements to it. And these bear stating, number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice in Greek is in the present imperative. And that means to continually follow this command. 
calling for a long-term commitment to this command. It's not feeling-based nor optional. It's an order for the attitude and action to be one's continual lifestyle. Number two, this verse four, to rejoice, is in the imperative mood. It calls for the recipient, you and I, of the command to perform the action to rejoice always by the order and authority of the one who's commanding it, which would be our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, is in the present tense. And by that it is meant to do this now. Obey the order without delay. Don't wait for the circumstances to change or for your feelings to dictate when you will obey it. We are to rejoice in the Lord always and we're to start doing it now without delay, without waiting for things to change, but to do it no matter how things look currently or how we're feeling at the moment. And four, verse four is in the active voice. And that means that the subject, again, you and I, are to perform the act of rejoicing by choice. It is independent of emotion. We have to choose to do it and decide that we are going to rejoice. The second step that we see is in verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now the word gentleness here is the word epikes. Epikes. In Greek, it's also translated gentleness or forbearance. It describes a person who does not always insist on every right or letter of law and custom going his way. It stands for a spirit or attitude that doesn't seek to retaliate. This is the person who yields their rights for the greater good of love, peace, and unity. It's not a weakness or non-assertiveness no, the Apikes believer is not spineless, but selfless, like our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time this was written, there was a division between two women in the church, Iodias and Sinchi. And because they were determined to have their own way, one insisted on her rights and the other would not yield ground. And Paul was saying that for the sake of peace, we should be willing and ready to yield what we call our rights, our position, and set aside our own pride. In fact, in an earlier text, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul said that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others over ourselves. So how does this principle help in combating despair? Well, this passage was included here for a reason. What Paul was referring to was that if we want to rejoice and have nothing hindering peace within, we have to maintain peace without. Friction, discord, ill-feeling, and conflict can rob of joy and cause despair as well. Our fellowship with our brethren has to be in alignment as believers to the obedience of the Holy Spirit, setting aside our own pride. It is impossible to have the joy of the Lord 
and the peace that passes all understanding, when there's division, discord, and conflict in our hearts. Only clean hands and a pure heart can ascend into God's presence where this peace can be found. Psalm 24. So what do these first two steps have to do when applied to our situation with our prodigal sons and daughters and their salvation? Well, first, no matter how the situation looks with our prodigals, if they're becoming more resistant to the gospel or if the enemy tries to cause you to despair or doubt that God is working, continue to rejoice. Remind yourself that God is in control and working. Your peace and joy is in the Lord, not in the situation's outlook or how things are going. So obey the Spirit's prompting. Obey it without delay and continue to rejoice. And second, when it comes to letting our gentleness be known to all, our text said that to let our forbearance be seen by all men that includes our prodigals, as our unsaved sons and daughters see our patience, our selflessness to others, and especially them, we can rejoice in our obedience in maintaining a godly testimony to them. You know, Dr. Edward Lewis Cole states in one of his books, Maximizing Manhood, that obedience brings peace, and peace drives out despair. I pray that the two insights that were shared in the first part of this devotional was a blessing to you. We need to continue to find our joy in the Lord, trusting that the Lord is working in the lives of our prodigal sons and daughters. Next week, we will continue with the second part of this devotional, which would be verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're going to go into our musical interlude. We've approached the half-hour mark of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. And when we return, we will be sharing some more insights. And again, we welcome you to participate in this podcast. Again, we have the questions for commentary. What do you believe are the biggest obstacles to the salvation of our prodigals? I'll be sharing what I believe are the obstacles, maybe perhaps the obstacles in the lives of my own two adult children who are not saved, but I am continuously praying for. So we will break into a musical interlude, and when we return, we look forward to hearing from you. So please stay tuned for the second half of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. Okay, we are back on live with the Parents of Prodigals podcast. I meant, I intended actually to play a musical interlude. Uh, I guess we are experiencing some technical difficulties, and the music did not come on. So, but you know, I take everything to be of the Lord. I'm sure there's a reason why the music didn't come on. So I'm not sure what that reason is. But again, 
You're tuned in to the Parents of Prodigals podcast, and we welcome your participation into this program. Again, we included a new segment into our program. The, the segment is the question for a commentary. The question for a commentary. What do you believe are the biggest obstacles to the salvation of our prodigals? You know, the Grammy Awards were on several days ago. And while, of course, I did not watch them, and hopefully no believers watched them, there was the time when two performing artists came on. They performed a piece called Unholy. Unholy. Now, this performance was put on social media and and I did catch a glimpse of it when two performers, their performance, in fact, was unholy. The performance itself was unholy. And that was actually the name of the song. But as this performance was taking place, you could hear the cheers of the audience, I'm sure, which consisted of many young people who were applauding the performance of these two individuals. And you know, when I think about the obstacles to our prodigals coming to Christ, the world does the best it can to keep our prodigal sons and daughters, primarily our young prodigal sons and daughters, entertained, keeping them distracted. The perception that the enemy wants to throw in the direction of our prodigal sons and daughters is that serving the Lord is boring and that the things of the world are entertaining and fun. The enemy may even try to tell our prodigal sons and daughters that in their youth, they should be having a good time and that there's plenty of time to surrender their lives to Christ. It's not something that has to be done now. It can be done later on. But, you know, we've also been seeing on social media how many young people are mysteriously actually dropping dead of heart attacks and other ailments. Many times we see in social media about a young person in their 20s collapsing and dying. Some of cardiac arrest and some from unknown reasons. And there's a lot of speculation as to what is going on and why. But again, like my brother Jamie Shock shares, this is a lie from Satan. The belief that there is plenty of time we all read the story in the scriptures about the rich ruler who fared sumptuously, was living the high life. But then the voice in the scripture says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Death came. And where was this man's riches and enjoyment of life then? Eternity beckoned. And this person went into a Christless grave. And so the enemy will deceive our prodigal sons and daughters into believing that there's plenty of time to accept Christ, that there's no hurry. Enjoy life now. Maybe perhaps the enemy will deceive them into believing that 
a little bit of religion is all that's needed. Instead of surrendering their lives to Christ completely, confessing their sins, and living for him, occasionally going to church, cracking open your Bible now and then, and saying grace over your meals will suffice. This is another lie from the enemy. The Bible says that many people have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Nothing except full commitment and total consecration to our Lord Jesus Christ. Surrendering your life to him, confessing that you are a sinner, and accepting him as Lord and Savior will have your name written in the book of life. And so we need to pray and maybe even fast on behalf of our prodigal sons and daughters that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many distractions are in the world today. Entertainment, money, maybe travel or popularity. I've said it before, you can be a prodigal in church. Many young people come to church. They may be active in youth activities, but they have not surrendered their lives to Christ. I've said it in previous podcasts, and I, it bears repeating. I do not believe we are living in the last days. I believe we are living in the last moments, the last seconds. Time is running out. And we need for the prayers for our prodigals not to be half-hearted, but to be fervent, maybe even fasting. Yes, fasting, in fact, to break the strongholds that have our young people in bondage. I spoke about strongholds in a previous podcast and how these strongholds need to be pulled down. But our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of these strongholds. Prayer, supplication, petition, and fasting on behalf of our sons and daughters who are not saved. And God will hear and answer our prayers. We must believe. We must trust in the Lord that he is answering our prayers. You know, I think about the scripture when Lazarus was raised from the dead. But Jesus got there three days after he had passed away. He was notified that Lazarus was sick and had died, but he still arrived on the fourth day. And that bears significance, and I'll tell you why. It was a belief of the Jews that when a person died, their spirit hovered over the gravesite for three days. And during that three-day period, there was always a chance that the spirit could re-enter the body and the person could come back to life. Now, if Jesus had arrived within that three-day period, when there was still hope, then glory would not have been given to God. But Jesus let three days pass, and he came on the fourth day after, according to Jewish belief, 
the person's spirit would depart. After three days, the person's spirit would leave. And all hope of the person coming back to life was gone. Jesus showed up at the point where there was supposedly no hope. He came on the fourth day. Who else would have the power over death except our Lord Jesus Christ? And when he came on the fourth day, when all hope was gone, he raised Lazarus back to life. And that's what happens when it comes to our prodigals. You and I may believe that there is no hope. The fourth day may have come. And we believe sometimes what the enemy says, that our prodigals are beyond salvation. They're too bad, too deeply embedded in the things of this world. All hope is gone. But our Lord Jesus Christ specializes in resurrecting the dead physically and spiritually. And so that's what we pray for. The resurrection, the spiritual resurrection on behalf of our prodigal sons and daughters that the Spirit of God would touch their hearts and minds and bring them to new life in Christ. And so we pray for them. We bring them before the Lord. We have various prayer requests, which we are going to go before the throne of grace with. I mentioned earlier, our dear brother Brian and Cecilia, regarding their daughter, Valentina. And so we're going to be bringing her before the throne of grace, as well as numerous other requests for a variety of needs. And so please join me as we enter the throne of grace, bringing these requests for these prodigal sons and daughters. And yes, we will also pray for those of us who are parents of prodigals for our continued strength and encouragement. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, Lord God. You see all these requests which we are bringing before you, Lord. Young men, young women, sons, daughters of those of us who are their parents or those of us who are their guardians. They may have backslidden, wandered from the faith, or maybe never surrendered their lives to you. We want to bring them before you, Heavenly Father, and pray for their souls, their deliverance, and their salvation. And Lord, first, we want to bring up Valentina, Lord God, this young lady, the beautiful, beloved daughter of my brother Brian and daughter Cecilia. Cecilia and Brian, loving parents to Valentina. We thank you and we praise you that you are moving in Valentina's life. Prayers are being answered. The moving of the Holy Spirit. There is a shift in her life, Lord God that only you are accomplishing. The change in attitude, the change in personality, the openness and the desire to make changes in her life. Lord God, your spirit is moving in Valentina's life and we praise you and we thank you that this is happening. And Lord, we just praise you and thank you that you will continue the work in Valentina's life, 
Lord God. Lord, I pray, we all pray for Valentina right now, and you continue the work which you've begun in her life. Lord, I don't know if she's accepted you as her Lord and Savior yet, but you are moving. The Spirit of God is moving in her heart and in her mind. And we plead the blood of Jesus over Valentina right now that you continue with the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in her life. And while all these changes are taking place, Lord God, the ultimate change we commit to your hands, and she will confess her sins, surrendering her life to you, Lord Jesus. We pray that, we pray that you deliver her from whatever is holding her bondage. Open up her eyes to see the truth. Soften any hardness of heart, Lord God. There is a shift in her life. Take her the rest of the way, Lord God, and bring her to the foot of the cross so that she surrenders her life to you, Lord God, and gets raptured. We praise you and thank you for the changes that are taking place for what's happening in Valentina's life. And we thank you for her salvation now, Lord God, in advance. We rejoice, Lord God, and we praise you for saving Valentina. And I pray for Brian and Cecilia, and you give them perseverance and strength, continued encouragement to keep praying for her, not to lose heart, but to pray fervently for her. Give them a strong sense of your presence, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to lift up two young men, two young men having the same name, actually. We want to bring before the throne of grace a young man by the name of Joshua. Joshua is the young son of my beloved pastor, Albert Feliciano, and his wife, Pastor Frankie Feliciano. And Joshua, I understand, I believe is in treatment right now for substance abuse issues. And while there have been several occasions when there have been several steps forward and several steps back, the enemy is not going to allow Joshua to commit his life to Christ and move forward. But we need to pray for Joshua right now that the enemy release his hold on him, and that the Holy Spirit deliver him through the blood of Christ from this addiction. There was another young man named Joshua who was the son of our brother and sister, Cano and Jay, who are attendees of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. Their son, Joshua, also is in bondage to the same issues. We're going to lift both these young men up before the throne of grace right now. Heavenly Father, we pray for these two young men, both of them named Joshua, and both of them facing the same challenges. The enemy has both these young men in bondage to issues of addiction. That's plaguing so many young people in our nation, Lord God. And Lord, this is a stronghold. It is a stronghold that the enemy does not want to surrender. But our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds, the power of prayer, intercession, petition, 
the joy of the Lord being our strength, perseverance and prayer, Lord God, warfare and prayer. We pray right now for the deliverance of both young men named Joshua, deliverance from the bondage of addiction. Wherever these two young men are, Lord God, whether they're in a treatment facility or home, wherever they are, the Holy Spirit breaking the chains of bondage, the blood of Jesus Christ over them, deliverance. We plead and pray and claim deliverance for these two young men. We pray for their deliverance and their salvation. Lord God, take these two young men and bring them into freedom from what is holding them back from committing their lives to you. Give them a distaste for whatever it is that they're indulging in, drugs or alcohol or anything else. Deliver them both. Save them both. Fill them with your spirit, Lord God. We commit them both into your hands, Heavenly Father. We thank you. We praise you for the answer. We praise you for Valentina's deliverance. And as we praise you ahead of time, answers came. We praise you for other people's deliverance and the answers came. So we praise you and thank you right now for Joshua's and Joshua's deliverance. Both these young men, we thank you and praise you for freeing them both. By faith, we claim it. We believe it. We trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. We have a young lady by the name of Gabby. Gabby is the young daughter, the teenage daughter, I believe, of someone by the name of Mary Ellen, who called in several weeks back when my pastor, Albert Feliciano, was co-hosting the show with me. And Mary Ellen shared that her daughter, Gabby, was facing some difficult issues, depression, low self-esteem, and some other concerns that she had for her. But Gabby, as far as I know, has not surrendered her life to Christ. And so we're going to lift this young lady up to the throne of grace. Join me right now. And if, Mary Ellen, if you're listening to this podcast right now, touch and agree with me on behalf of your lovely daughter. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for this mother, Mary Ellen, and her husband, I believe, his name is Kevin, parents who love their daughter and want to see her saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so right now, Lord God, we pray. We lift Gabby up before you, Heavenly Father. We pray for her soul. Lord, deliver her from the darkness of depression or low self-esteem. You heal the body, but you can also heal the mind, the emotions the soul. And Lord, I pray right now that the hem of your garment get touched. Healing power come into Gabby's heart and mind. Deliver her from low self-esteem. Deliver her from depression. Free her from this, Lord God. We pray for her salvation. The enemy wants to hold on to Gabby. The word of God says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is what the enemy wants to do to Gabby, to steal her soul, to destroy her soul. 
but we're not going to let that happen. Heavenly Father, we pray for Gabby, for her deliverance from the forces of darkness. We plead the blood of Jesus against them. We command the enemy to release Gabby right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we claim deliverance for this young lady. And we believe you, Lord God, for her salvation. Speak to her, Lord God. Maybe it'll come through witnessing at home. Maybe there'll be somebody who will give her a track. Maybe she'll run across the gospel through song or through someone that she knows will witness to her. Whatever way you choose, Lord God, do what it takes to save this young lady. Deliver her from what she's in bondage to. We pray for her and we thank you for Gabby's deliverance and her salvation. We thank you and praise you for the encouragement in the lives of her parents. Strengthen them both, Kevin and Mary Ellen. Help them, Lord God. Give them a sense of your presence. Let them know that they are not alone. Help them to rejoice, Lord God. Regardless of how the situation looks, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, the word of God says to rejoice. Amen and amen. We have a young man by the name of Edgar. Edgar is the adult son of a dear brother and sister in Christ, Rose and Frank. And we want to lift Edgar up in prayer. But what we know, Edgar is involved in a certain lifestyle. And he's indulging in activities and doing things. And that Edgar has a young child, a daughter, who may be exposed to whatever it is that Edgar is doing or the people he's bringing into his home. Well, we're going to pray for Edgar. Part of our prayers were already answered a while back. They were inviting their son to come to church, and Edgar kept on finding excuses. But he finally made his way to Soul Purpose Evangelical Church one Sunday. We're going to pray that he make his way back again. But we're also going to pray for his salvation. Join us as we pray for Edgar. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Edgar's parents, godly men and women who are lifting their son up in prayer for his salvation and being a witness before him. And we lift Edgar up in prayer, Lord God. We pray that you give him absolutely no rest. Don't give him any sleep, Lord God. Do not let his sleep be sweet, Lord. Give him a restless spirit and a restless soul until he surrenders his life to you, Lord God. Give him a distaste for whatever life he's indulging in. Open up his eyes to see the emptiness of the things that he's doing, the places where he's going, whatever activities he's indulging in. We plead the blood of Christ against the forces of darkness that are whispering in Edgar's ear to continue to live this way. There's plenty of time to accept Christ. We rebuke these thoughts in Jesus' name. Now is the appointed time. Now is the day of salvation. Bring this to pass in Edgar's life. Let this be the day of salvation, Lord God. We commit Edgar into your hands, and we pray a hedge of protection around this young child, 
whatever she's being exposed to, Lord God, we pray that there be a battalion of angels protecting this child from whatever is going on in the home. Lord, enter this home. Save Edgar. Protect his daughter. We commit them both in your hands and we worship and praise you for the answer, which we know is even now coming to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Every week we pray for a young lady by the name of Angelica. And Angelica is related to, if I pronounce the last name correctly, the Torsarici brothers. I'm not sure which one, whether it's Jeremiah or the other one, Edgar, uh, Angelica is their daughter or their relative. But Angelica also is a teenager, a young lady, whose salvation we pray for every week. And so we want to reach out and pray for Angelica's salvation. Join me. Her soul is important. We want it to be saved. Lord God, you know the details of Angelica's life. We don't know the details, what she's doing, who she's with, what kind of activities she's engaged in, where she is going, the thoughts that she has. You know all that, Lord God. So we pray for Angelica right now. We pray that you deliver her from all ungodliness, Lord God. Convict her of her sin. Open up her eyes to the life that she is living, the emptiness of it, Lord God. Soften her heart. She may be hostile to the gospel or cynical, not want to hear it, not want to listen to Christian music or not want to hear the witnessing of her relatives who are believers. Well, we pray right now that you soften Angelica's heart to the things of God. Open up her heart to be receptive and to listen to the gospel. Holy Spirit, work in Angelica's heart and mind. Soften her heart if it's hardened. Open her eyes so that she sees the truth. Open up her ears so that she'll listen. And open up her mouth so that she'll ultimately confess you, Lord Jesus, as Lord. We rebuke the power of the enemy in Angelica's life that has her in bondage, maybe to low self-esteem or depression or any illicit lifestyle or activities. The enemy will whisper in her ear also that she's having a good time and that there's no harm in doing these things. We rebuke those thoughts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke the thoughts, the lies of the enemy, that Angelica could eat, drink, and be merry. That's a lie from the enemy. Death can come at any time, and the rapture could come sooner. And so we plead the blood of Christ over Angelica. And we pray for her deliverance and salvation. We praise you, Lord God, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a while back, I had heard that my dear brother, Jamie Schock, who's our board person, and I see he's on the air right now, listening. His daughter, China, and China's friend, Alexa, at one point were not saved. And we're involved in a certain lifestyle. But the Lord is faithful. And in his own way, in his own time, he delivered both these young ladies. And both of them surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. But there is no way that the enemy is going to let this go. 
The enemy would love nothing more than to whisper into the ears of new converts, maybe telling them they made a mistake or not to overdo it. Well, we're going to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray for China and Alexa that they continue in the faith, strengthened with all strength, filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for China and Alexa right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for both these young women, Lord God, that we were praying for, their salvation and their deliverance. It was a long time coming, but you have your own way and in your own timing, Lord God, you brought them before the throne of grace. You worked in both their lives. And now both these young ladies have surrendered their lives to you. But we pray, Lord God, that the work of the Holy Spirit continue in both their lives and that you continue to refill and refill and refill them with your spirit and overflowing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. We pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in both China and Alexa. Power for living, consecration, full commitment, Lord God. Hold on to China and Alexa. We rebuke the forces of darkness that may try to whisper in their ears not to overdo it. Don't be fanatical or that this is not for them. We rebuke those thoughts in the name of Jesus. We rebuke those influences. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he would love nothing more than to do all three to China and Alexa. We rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Christ over both these young ladies. Keep them in the hollow of your hand, Lord God. Strengthen them with all strength. Let grace and peace permeate their hearts and minds. Bless them both. Use both these young ladies for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to lift up in prayer, of course, my own daughter and son, Michael and Megan. And both my children are familiar with the gospel. They grew up in a Christian home. But of course, growing up in a Christian home doesn't mean you're saved. You can be a prodigal in church. You can be a prodigal in a Christian home. And so I want to lift my own son and daughter up in prayer. That the Holy Spirit deliver them from whatever is holding them in bondage. And that they both come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Please join me. Help me. Unite with me. As I pray for my son, Michael and my daughter, Megan. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for my two children, Lord God, my daughter, Megan, and my son, Michael. And Lord, they both grew up under Christian influence, Lord God, but there comes a time when they have to make a decision for themselves, Heavenly Father. And I lift them both up in prayer that you speak to both their hearts, Lord. Help me to continue to be a witness before them. Help me to continue to pray for them, Lord God. And, and whenever I see them or speak to them, to let them know that God loves them. And Lord, I pray that you speak to both my children. The Holy Spirit speaking to both of them in their hearts and minds. Father, 
I pray for their deliverance from whatever is keeping them from surrendering their life to, to you. It may be maybe apathy, it may be bitterness, whatever it is, Lord God. Maybe it's a desire to be autonomous, to live their own lives and put off surrendering their lives to you. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I pray for both my son and daughter that you convict them both of their sin and give neither of them rest. And yes, Lord God, yes, do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to save them both. You have the perfect method and the perfect time. I commit them both to you. I trust you. We all trust you with our prodigal sons and daughters. We are going to rejoice, not look at the situation, but to have full commitment to you, Lord God, placing our prodigals into your hands to do what's best and do what's necessary to save them. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God, for their salvation. It may come tonight, it may come tomorrow, next week, next year, but I believe it is coming, and I trust you both. Trust you with them both, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. A prayer request just came in, and two young men of the name of Nelson and Eric, and both these young men are involved perhaps in living their own lives. You know, the Bible mentions the prodigal wanted to live his own life. The rich young ruler wanted to live his own life. But ultimately, the word of God says it is appointed once unto men to die, but after this, the judgment. And the rapture may came. The rapture may come, in fact. And so we pray. We're going to pray for these two young men, Nelson and Eric, that God speak to them both. We're going to pray for their salvation. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these two young men, Nelson and Eric. Lord, you know where they are. I don't know where they're living. I don't know what they're doing, who they're with at this very moment. Lord, but you are omnipresent. You are everywhere. You see what these two young men are doing and where they are. And you see the lives that they are living, Lord God. Nothing is invisible to you, and we can never escape your presence. And Lord, I lift up these two young men that you soften their hearts to the gospel. Whatever it is that's keeping them from accepting you as their Lord and Savior, Heavenly Father. Again, maybe it's apathy. Maybe they believe they have plenty of time, or it's not that important. Maybe they believe that they're okay, and that they're going to go to heaven. Lord, open up their eyes to the gospel truth that unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Lord, I pray that you bring both Nelson and Eric to the point where they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so that they will be saved. Give them both, if necessary, a Damascus Road experience. If you have to, Lord God, knock them both off their high horses of pride or independence or whatever it is that they're riding on, Lord God. They may be riding on the pleasures of this life. They may be riding on their proud independence. Maybe they're riding on 
their lifestyle, whatever it is, Lord God, knock them off. Blind them if you have to, Heavenly Father, but give them the Damascus Road experience that leads to repentance. Break them both. If it's a stubborn self-will, break it, Lord God. But do what's necessary to save Nelson and Eric. We trust you and we believe you for their deliverance, and we rebuke the forces of darkness, which will do anything and everything they can to keep these two young men. The enemy wants to see both these young men in a Christless grave and a hell-bent eternity. We rebuke that, and we claim them for you, Lord Jesus. We plead your blood over them. We trust you. We believe you for their salvation. Thank you, Lord God. The work is beginning. The work is beginning. In some way, shape, or form, it is beginning. And we thank you. We're just waiting for the testimony and the praise report that will come in. It may come in, like I said before, Lord God, it may come in tomorrow. It may come in before the next podcast. It may come next year, but it will come in. There will be testimony of the salvation of these two young men. We commit them into your hands. All things are possible. We need only to believe, and we believe you for their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to the end of our podcast and of course we've gone over the hour but that's all right as the spirit leads and i pray that what was shared here today was a blessing to everyone who was listening and so until next thursday which will be thursday february 23rd i want to thank all of you for tuning in and even though we are going off the air right now, we will continue to pray. Continue. Let's all continue to pray for our prodigals, to fast for them, to believe God for their salvation. Let's not take for granted that there's time. Time is running out. The signs are there. The rapture could take place tonight. We want to see our prodigals saved. And so let's continue to pray for our unsaved sons and daughters, living Christ before them, making the most of every opportunity to witness to them, being salt and light before them, not nagging them, but winning them over by our gentle spirit and trust the Lord for saving them. And so until next Thursday at 7 p.m., February 23rd, continue in prayer, being watchful therein. And most of all, watch the road. Your prodigal and my prodigal, all of our prodigals will be on it. God bless you and good night.